Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Let's See You Succeed with First Community Credit Union. As always, I'm your host, Katie Neal, and today joining our podcast, I have a very special guest joining me from the Cass County Sheriff Office is Detective Tanya Johnner. Tanya, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. We're excited to have you. And today our podcast, we're going to kind of just dive in um, about fraud and hear about kind of what to watch for, uh, what is, what's out there right now, things to be mindful of, and how to protect yourself from fraud. And we thought there was no better person to do that than to actually hear from the sheriffs themselves who see this firsthand. But before we kind of dive into that, like all our podcasts, we ask our guests just to tell a little bit about themselves, uh, where they're from, and kind of what you do in your role. Perfect. Well, my name is Tanya Johnner. As discussed earlier, I'm married. Uh, My husband, Jesse, is also in law enforcement and works at the sheriff's office. We have an adopted dog named Trooper. He's kind of like our fur child, I I should say. Uh, I grew up on a farm near Medina, North Dakota. I attended colleges at Bismarck State and North Dakota State University. I've been in law enforcement for about 14 years, serving the Mandan Police Department and the Cass County Sheriff's Office. I also served two years in corrections at the Clay County Jail in Moorhead, and then also the James River Correctional Center out in Jamestown. I've served in many roles at the Sheriff's Office to include court transport, patrol, school resource deputy, and then also investigations. I am currently an investigator who's assigned to be the sex offender registration coordinator. And I also specialize more so in technology and fraud related cases, but do investigate really a variety of cases. For personal hobbies, I would say working in my yard, completing projects, spending time with friends and family, fishing, traveling, and Netflix, of course. I love that, that you added Netflix in there. That's fun. And I love that you, your dog is named Trooper. How fitting for your family. That's right. I also have a brother-in-law who happens to be a highway patrol trooper. So it is kind of funny. There's a nexus there. That's so awesome. Um, we don't have any dogs, but we have horses, my husband and I, and we rodeo and, and do all of that. So, But I always love hearing people's creative dog names, kind of like our horses have creative names. So do our so do a lot of people's dogs, so how fun. But it's it's safe to say you have a super wide range of law enforcement experience, having been on the force for, you said, over 14 years you've had experience with things. So um, it's just awesome that you can be here today, you know, knowing you have such a wide experience and you've seen so many different things. And here at FCCU, we really try to make sure, you know, we always want to protect our members and protect our members' money and their IDs and, and just, you know, constantly remind people how important it is to, to protect themselves, especially, like you said, one of the main things that you oversee is that technology. And here we are, you and I, you know, recording this podcast because of technology, but it also has those downfalls um, where people can use technology to their advantage to 
uh, steal IDs and, and all of that stuff. So um, while we have those advantages, we also have those things that we have to be careful for. So I guess, you know, currently in your role, what are some of the different kinds of things that you're seeing in your area, just maybe in terms of that money and fraud right now? Well, you know, as you know, credit card fraud has been around for a while and we we all know that it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, I think that's going to continue to be one of the main areas that uh, our banks and our merchants and our citizens are all going to be targeted uh, by scammers. So that is one that we continue to see. So an example of that would be someone using a victim stolen credit card number to make online purchases. And they try to do this as fast as possible before the bank realize, realizes that fraud and theft is actually occurring and they get that card shut down. So many times the credit card companies or banks will dispute the transactions with the merchants and then the merchants will actually end up taking the loss. Uh, I've seen a few cases where I suspect the suspects were buying stolen credit card numbers and personal information from the dark web. And that in itself is pretty interesting. If, if you can picture like an Excel spreadsheet the information is really categorized across the top, you know, where it's like the person's name, uh, their date of birth, their phone number, their email addresses, their social security number, uh, credit card number, the country of origin for the credit card number. And then if you want that CVV number so you can make online purchases, you got to buy the CVV number from the people that posted it on the dark web. Now, those CBV numbers can go anywhere from like $5 to $10. And what these bad guys try to do is they try and sell as many of these as they can. And then all the people that are buying the stolen information, they're all out there entering things online for purchases and doing different things with that information, trying to get as many purchases to go through really before the banks have an opportunity to get it shut down or the victim realizes what's taking place and reports it. So that is kind of how it works when information is posted on the dark web. And uh, of course they take their uh, money in Bitcoin, right? Oh my gosh, I have so many questions, like so many things are popping through my mind right now. I'm like, is my ID out there on the web? Like, is there a way to prevent this or it's just, I mean, this is just constantly happening. If you have a credit card, like, I don't want to scare our listeners away from having a credit card, obviously, because um, there's many benefits for that to building your credit. Um, but, you know, is there ways to make sure, I, I guess I should back up. So we have on our app, um, we have an FCCU cards app. And on our app, you can connect your cards, so you can turn it on and off. Um, so like over the weekend, I know I'm not going to use my credit card so I can turn it off so people can't like go use and steal my credit card for things. Um, and I also have like text notifications. So if I use my credit card, I get a text notification. So one time I saw at like midnight, I got a notification. I'm like, that wasn't me. And so, you know, the next morning we can have our institution shut down my card right away. So that's one way I guess we, I know that. I always do and at our credit union, we help to kind of protect people's you know from using your card and to make sure people aren't spending on your card but but what other ways can can people 
watch out for that. I am really glad that you brought that up because that has been a huge defense in some of this fraud. I mean, it really, it, it's kind of like a partnership between the customer and the bank. You know, both people need to do their part uh, to really report this or to catch this and stop it from continuing. So for the customer, I would say absolutely get signed up for those uh, monitoring programs that are offered by your bank or credit union. You know, if you can sign up for text messages, you know, anything over $100 coming out of the account or um, let's say an email or just going in through the app and just looking at your transactions every so often and making sure that everything on there should be on there. And then also, if you lose your card or you notice something suspicious, what a great opportunity to just shut your card off right away. I think that is one of the best things ever. And then the other piece to that, uh, banks and credit unions, they often have some pretty skilled people uh, working in fraud, you know, and they have softwares that can catch transactions and stuff like that that look a little suspicious. So one thing that a lot of banks and credit unions do they kind of look at like where the item was purchased. So if this item was purchased out in New York, but you're a North Dakota resident and you didn't alert your bank of travel or something like that, you know, the fraud software is probably going to be sending out the red lights on that one. You know, they're going to say, okay, well, this is kind of suspicious. So you might get an email from your bank or even a phone call and they might say, hey, are you on vacation? Uh, we noticed a suspicious transaction. Um, some banks will even shut your card off. One time I went to Montana for a vacation and I was filling gas and my card didn't work. And I was like, oh my goodness, I know there's, I know there's money in there. So I gave the bank a call and they're like, oh yeah, we thought it was suspicious that you were in Montana. So we shut your card off and I'm like, okay, awesome. Can you turn it back on now? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I know. Anytime I try to travel, I like call our card services people and like, hey, I'm I'm going here. Don't shut my card off. I need it. And and I really appreciate those people, you know, like obviously you two. It's not an easy job. Like you guys are constantly watching that stuff. Um, but I know here one of the greatest things I think even for myself was to download that our cards app just because then because I forget to go into my account and like check things sometimes and so as annoying as those texts are every time I swipe my card I'm like oh yep okay that was me like just hit delete we're good and and I monitor that stuff way more now because I have that that opportunity but it's crazy to hear that you know that fraud like that can happen as easy as here's an excel spreadsheet and if you want to buy by my card number, this is what it costs. And, and so I think it's important to to remind our listeners that we have that card app to hopefully help, you know, eliminate some of that stuff. Um, what about like ID fraud? Like, do you have any recent cases or over your 14 years that you kind of remember specifically a case about that? Well, I think I think a lot of it is really kind of tied into, you know, like we talked about uh, 
you know, like the data breaches and stuff like that, you know, like a couple of years ago, there was a, a data breach from one of the major credit reporting agencies. And I was even notified that my information was compromised in that one. So the first thing that I did is I signed up for credit monitoring and, you know, they do dark web checks and stuff like that, which kind of makes you feel a little bit better. But if you didn't want to spring for the extra money, which you could always do is, you know, a lot of credit cards nowadays or even banks, you know, through their applications, they might have, you know, where you could check your FICO score for free or they'll tell you if your credit score has gone up or down. That can be a main indicator whether somebody out there is creating accounts in your name, because as we know, that can change your FICO score. So just paying attention to that score can really be like a great indicator if something's going on, or let's say your debt to income ratio, uh, because somebody's charging a lot of money on your accounts, you know, that can be another indicator, you'll see that FICO score going down a little bit. So those are two ways to kind of watch for that. Um, as we know, talking about data breaches, and having accounts at different places, our information is only as safe as those people keep it, right? So if there is a data breach out there, it's as simple as, you know, the bad guys inputting the information into the Excel spreadsheets and then putting it out there for people to purchase or maybe not even purchase, maybe it's just out there. So with that information, suspects can easily create accounts in people's names. They can open up credit cards, they can take out vehicle loans. Um, a big one that we're seeing is people like creating phone accounts through different phone service providers and ordering cell phones. Um, again, a lot of it we think are tied to data breaches or just places where people have gotten access to that information and it's all tied together you know id theft goes hand in hand with credit card fraud because what do the bad guys want to do they want to pose as you to get these transactions to go through or maybe they even want to order a card in your name or maybe they want to reroute one of your cards to their location um and even if the card does come to your you know is getting sent to your house they could mess with your mail and have your mail rerouted. I've even seen that before. So they are pretty sneaky nowadays. So we've had a few cases locally. Uh, back in January, we had uh, done a press release in regards to uh, basically like a forgery scam where suspects had created some fraudulent checks and some of these checks were even drawn on our bank account at the jail, but that didn't uh, deter the bad guys. So, um, so anybody can really be a victim of this. It doesn't matter, you know, how safe you try to keep your information. If somebody gets access to an account number, even if it's a legitimately issued check, they can always put that information back into check printing software or they could even do what we call washing a check, where they're washing the ink off of the check and putting their own information on there and trying to get it cashed that way. And in situations like that, the banks are usually the ones that take the loss, which is why it's important that, uh, you know, the tellers and the people that are working the front lines at the banks, you know, they are up to date with, uh, you know, the current scam uh, 
uh, things that are happening in our area. And, you know, just asking some extra questions during the check cashing process, or even as simple as giving the uh, issuer of the check a phone call to confirm whether that check is legitimately issued to that person or not. So again, uh, there's still checks being passed out there. There's still the credit card uh, fraud going on. Um, another group that we had coming through the area, uh, and usually that's maybe once or twice a year, we, uh, we get the felony lane gang coming through. Have you ever heard of them? I have not heard of them before. Okay, so the Felony Lane Gang, I, I think they've really kind of got their nickname because uh, what they're doing is it's all like felony level stuff, right? So they come up to our area from other states normally. Uh, they spend just a couple of days in the area. You know, they might visit hotels or B&Bs or things like that. And what they do is they target vehicles that are parked in parking lots. So you know, when the cops tell you don't leave your valuables in plain view, especially like purses, bags, uh, briefcases, backpacks, expensive electronic stuff like that, because your vehicle then becomes a target. So what these guys were doing is they usually target like gyms, daycares, uh, schools, places that, you know, people are prone to leaving, you know, bags and stuff like that in their vehicles because they don't need it wherever they're going in at the time. So then from there, uh, you know, if there's checks, they use the checks. If there's uh, bank cards, stuff like that, they'll use the bank cards. Now, luckily, if you're one of those people that brings your phone into the gym because you like listening to your tunes, uh, you could shut your bank cards down right away. You know, so how awesome is that? Just shows you that that's one of the fraud tools that uh, will work. <laughs> and then there is another uh, group that comes through our area every once in a while. I would say once every one or two years. And, and I'm sure you guys have heard of this, but we also have Operation Homeless. And so this is where groups come to North Dakota from other states again, normally spend a short amount of time here. And what they try to do is they go and they steal mail. And a lot of times they're looking for that business mail and they then get the check information from that they go out and they recruit homeless people and you know, convince them to basically cashing these checks for them. So they'll drive them all around to different banks. And there's usually a couple different groups that are doing this. And uh, the losses are just significant uh, when they come through here. But the nice thing is, is our area is getting more familiar with this scam. We know what to watch for. Uh, the banks and credit unions in this area, we're all pretty well connected where if a bank notices that this is happening or law enforcement, we're kicking the information out right away and we're getting it out to the media and we're alerting people so everyone can be more aware of what's going on so that we can stop it. Wow, that's crazy. All I can think of is, um, and I mean, I've always thought this, but our frontline is just so important. And those people that are, you know, I'm back office, but those people dealing with members and who are 
seeing that stuff daily, you have to really be alert and pay attention and um, their jobs are, are really important to, to be looking out for those types of things. But wow, people get really creative. And I know like when I drop up, drop off my son at daycare um yeah i leave my purse i lock my vehicle and i walk away but you're like oh it's just you know quick five minutes in five minutes out but now i'm gonna start stashing my purse somewhere or <laughs> taking it in with me but like hearing these stories is is really good reminders of us just things that we think oh it's just a quick trip or this or that um it's just really important to to hear these stories and and be mindful of of that these things happen that there is people out there who are uh who are trying to take advantage of of simple little things like running an errand into the store or leaving your purse but taking maybe take your wallet out of your purse but you leave your purse in the front seat i've know i've i've done that a time or two and now i'm like i better just take the whole thing in because someone could break in and try to take that wow this is very informational and very eye-opening as well yes you know and i think you know people sometimes target people in north dakota number one because we're friendly right most of the time we're friendly uh and we're maybe a little bit more trusting you know you don't see a lot of the things here that you might see in other areas and so I think that really kind of contributes to, you know, them targeting our citizens here. That makes so much sense. I mean, I live out in the country and I know people don't even, you know, lock their doors or whatever. You're just trusting. And one night I locked my door and my husband's like, are you worried someone's going to come in? I'm like, well, you just, you never know. <laughs> and I'm I started leaving my purse in the car and now I'm like bringing it in just in case, you know, we kind of live middle of nowhere, but just being mindful that these things can happen to just about anyone. Absolutely. So going back a little bit, um, I know you said people uh, are, you know, they're getting their IDs sometimes stolen from, from the breaches and things like that. So, uh, you know, would you say that is the number one way that people are, are getting their identity stolen now, or, or is there another way? Well, there's, there's many different ways that suspects can access somebody's IDs. Uh, you know, I, I noticed nowadays when I go out to restaurants, you know, before you used to give the server your card to pay for your tab, right? Well, nowadays, have you noticed that they're starting to put the card readers right on the table so that uh, your card doesn't leave your site? So I absolutely love that. Restaurants are changing now. Uh, businesses are kind of getting more familiar with practices that uh, really help out in the fraud department. So that's one thing that I love. But that is a way that somebody could have gotten access to your card information before it's as simple as writing down the numbers you know on your card i mean to do online transactions um to do the card not present transactions a big one that a lot of people were seeing in the past were you know skimmers so you go to pay at the pump and if the gas stations aren't watching you know when people are at the pumps it, you know they could install a reader there and that is a way that bad guys could have got the information from directly from the card 
And nowadays you see that they're putting tape, you know, around the card reader area so that you can tell if it has been tampered with. So that's a way that gas stations are kind of helping us out, uh, combating some of that fraud. But I mean, you always got to remember that your information is only as safe as people keep it. So places that you have accounts, right? If you have a place that doesn't do background checks on people that do account work, right? I mean, could they be selling your information? Maybe. Could they be writing it down if you're calling to pay by card? Or, I mean, that could be another way that people are getting access to your information. Or, you know, if it was a data breach, you know, the important thing with that would be to change your password. Most people think changing passwords, you know, it's not that important, but really it is. When you think about this, if your information was compromised in a data breach to include your username and password, the bad guy's buying your username and your password. So if you change your password, guess what? Bad guy isn't getting access to your account because the password has been changed. That's why I always tell people, change your password, change your password, change your password. You you hear people talking about it all the time and you don't really think of how important it could be. Yeah, I know um, our IT guys are always telling us, change your password, change it. Don't, don't just change it one number or this or that. Like actually change it is what they always tell us that I've heard that and they try to remind, you know, members and we, we try to remind members to do that. But um, you know, sometimes as staff, we're just as guilty. We have to have to remind each other to change our passwords. And, um, you know, it's it's hard to sometimes remember your password. So I think that's why people are like, oh, if I change it, I can't remember it. Well, yes, maybe not, but you also protect yourself. And that's a really great piece of advice that you gave just to how how easy it is for someone to get that if you don't change your password. Exactly. So who, you know, obviously you, you've said it a few times now, you're only as, you're only as safe as, you know, the people holding your information and how you keep your information. But is there ever any groups that are, would you say that are the biggest targets? Is it, is it elders? Is it young people who, you know, are there certain age groups that you kind of see a trend of, of people getting their ID stolen? So, you know, I would say the biggest targets are really going to be a lot of the elderly. And the reason being is because these people are normally pretty financially stable, right? They've worked all their life and, and they're sitting on money where, you know, younger people, they're still in that process of earning the money and probably have a lot of loans and stuff like that. Not as much available credit, probably, as somebody who is financially stable and has worked and is sitting on, you know, either uh, money or assets or, you know, just a variety of things there. So we are seeing elderly people being targeted. Uh, One of the main things they're targeted with is romance scams. That is one that uh, that's probably the biggest scam that we have looked into where we're seeing the biggest losses. 
So if you're not familiar how romance scams work, suspects will often create fake profiles on dating or other online social media sites. The suspects will communicate with victims and eventually befriend them. Suspects will take some time to develop a relationship with a victim and will attempt to learn more about them. They may ask questions about the victim's financials in an offhanded way to learn if the victim is a good target. Um, this, this is basically trying to see if they can get money out of them or not. You know, I saw one where the suspect asked the lady, you know, how, how are you doing during COVID? Like, do you need money? And she responds like, no, I got plenty of money. I don't need any money. And so really, I mean, what they were trying to do is find out if she's a good target. So they'll eventually turn the conversation to romance. They may talk about an inheritance that they're coming into, um, a large sum of money that they're coming into. Uh, they may give the victim romantic poetry. They may talk about religion or marriage. And once they feel comfortable with the victim, they ask the victim to start sending them something small. And it might be like a gift card number. It's kind of common that we're seeing, you know, before it used to be the green dot cards. Uh, now it's like the vanilla cards or like the iTunes cards. So those are kind of like red flags. If you have somebody that you've never met and all of a sudden they're asking you to send them prepaid card numbers, uh, they're probably not from this country, number one. And number two, they're just trying to see if you're going to do it because eventually they're going to start asking you for more stuff. So eventually, um, you know, they may even start sending stuff to your house. I mean, we've even seen that. They're sending money to uh, the person who they're talking to. They're saying, hey, I need you to send this on to this account. I can't mom and she's in the hospital. People do it. Um, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, you know, why all of a sudden somebody would send money to my house. But what we're finding is this money that's coming to the house are actually victims and other scams. That's how they're laundering their money through the system. So the person gets the money, sends it on, and it's just another loop for law enforcement to jump through to try and solve their crime. You know, by the time we get to that victim, the money's already moved on to, you know, another place, which makes it hard for us to try and recover that. And so, again, um, they always have a reason why they can't accept the money themselves or why they can't come up with money themselves. Uh, eventually they, uh, will continue to ask for more and more money. And a lot of times they'll say, you know what, I'll pay it back when I have an opportunity to, I have plenty of money. Um, I just need to get it to you and the money never comes. And so what we see in this situation is victims are often holding on to hope that they're going to get their money back. Right. And so they continue to talk to this bad guy, even though they're kind of mad at them. Um, they're still holding on for that purpose. And I, I always tell these people, I say, stop talking with these with these scammers. You're you're probably not going to get your money back. You know, a lot of times we see the money going out of the country, uh, you know nothing good can come from talking to these people 
And they're going to continue to try and get money out of you and continue to try and get you to trust them so that they can continue to talk to you. And another thing that we see is if they do cut off communication with the suspect, these victims will then try to be scammed in another way, like a computer tech scam or another type of scam. But I have seen the computer tech scam right after the romance scam. Um, I've seen losses, you know, about $150,000. And those, some of those are bank wires that have gone to different places. Um, I've heard of a lot higher amounts, but those weren't my cases. So that's why I say if the losses are extensive in these romance scams and the victims, I mean, there's times where I try to talk to them and I'm like, you are being scammed and they literally will not believe me. A law enforcement officer. That's how much these suspects develop that relationship and trust with them. Sometimes they'll work on them for over a year. Oh my gosh. I'm just like speechless over hearing some of these things because you just can't imagine. Like, I just feel for, I feel for victims when that happens. And I just, I cannot believe that a whole entire year, like you spend a whole entire year thinking you're going to meet the love of your life or whatever it is. And then that happens to you. How, how terrible. So in a, in a case like that, like how do you catch a lot of those romance scams one or like how long can it typically take to to catch criminals who try to scam money or take your ID or, you know, felony lane gang, whatever it might be? Well, those cases are often very involved. There's a lot of uh, work to do with those. Um, often, you know, when they're targeting our area, like let's use the felony lane gang or operation homeless as an example. Those guys are from out of our area, right? So when they come up here, you know, a lot of times they're in rental cars or um, they strike multiple different businesses or areas. And so it takes some time to put those together. And then also it could involve multiple jurisdictions. So we need to get the officers together to put information uh, together to put these cases together. Um, it can take months to put information together. And then if we're talking about specifically like the romance scams or ID theft or credit card theft, it depends on whether the person's located in the United States or outside of the United States. If it's outside of the United States, um, you know, we don't have good luck with that. We'll, we'll just put it that way. If it's inside the United States, a lot of times we will call other law enforcement agencies and ask them to help follow up where the leads take us. And then we can do what we need to do from there. We have to involve other jurisdictions. So again, it's a lengthy process. Wow, that's just crazy the steps that you go through and how some of those cases can take you months or a year to to solve or potentially not solve because of all the hoops you have to jump through. And again, I think it just goes back to what we've been saying this whole time, just to, you know, hear these stories and, and hopefully our listeners can be mindful now of like looking for those red flags. And if people ask you to send money, don't do that. Or, you know, making sure you check up on your, how, where you're spending your money and just 
all of that, even down to your mail. Like if I got something in the mail and somebody sent me free money, um, obviously I usually just like toss it or get rid of it. But like in those cases, do you ask people, like would you want people to bring that into your, your department so you can see it? Does that help you track those things or is it kind of just a dead end in some cases? Well, so are we talking about the romance scam where the suspects are telling them that they're sending them money and they need yeah. them to do something with it? So if that's the case, I would say, yeah, I, I think you should probably come in and we should have a talk and then I can fill you in on what romance scams are about. And, you know, we could take it in for safekeeping in case law enforcement uh, needs to have a conversation with us and try and recover the money. Um, again, the, the money that's coming to these people is, is usually from other victims. So, you know, that's, that's the sad part. I once had a case where a lady had started communicating with somebody over, oh gosh, I want to say it, maybe it was like Google, Google Hangouts and ended up uh, getting some money sent to her house and she was supposed to deposit it um, and then wire it over to, I want to say maybe it was somewhere in Egypt, which, which is known for, you know, it's, it's known, it's a high fraud area. Let's just say it that way. And it turns out that the money that was sent to her house that was for the guy's sick mother was actually a guy who thought he was purchasing something online and didn't receive his product. So that's why I say these scams are often interlinked. That's so crazy that there's that many things that can be intertwined together and really they're like ripping off what you think is just one person, but really it can be like four other people down the line because that money's just getting turned over and back around and circling and wow there's got to be um just <laughs> the list of cases you probably see with these types of things is is probably endless but also like really amazing when you finish a case you're probably really excited that <laughs> that you have that one and you can help people or check that off your list yeah the biggest thing for me is educating the public and getting the information out there Look, you know just like i said the romance scams those are huge losses if we can prevent that from happening and also it creates so much anguish for for the victims you know they're out there looking for love and they're just devastated when they find out that that's not what actually happened here and you know that that money loss. I mean, they were counting on that for their retirement years, and now they don't have the love of their life and they don't have their money. Some of these people end up having to go back to work. Um, just a horrible situation. So if we can prevent some of this from happening, uh, that is the main goal. Prevention uh, is way better than trying to clean up after fraud has happened. Uh, the victim often has uh, lifelong issues with identity theft after it happens because it can continue to happen if the victim does not take steps to prevent it from happening again. Yeah, can you, uh, you know, tell us a few of those maybe lasting effects of identity theft? 
Sure. So once somebody's social security number and date of birth and name and that stuff is compromised, basically that's kind of like a blank check, right? People can go out and they can create different accounts. They can uh, continue to do that. Like, let's say they do it one year and then they wait a couple of years and they know it was good before. So now we'll try it again. Um, it's a pain for the victim to have to go and file a police report every time and, you know, contact the company who holds the account that's in their name and say, hey, I'm a victim of identity theft. You need to remove this. So then they need to go through all the company's, you know, fraud process. And it's just, it's a huge pain that nobody wants to have to deal with. And that's why I say prevention is the best thing that you can do. Take advantage of all the banks uh, or credit unions, uh, software and programs that they have available for you and then also there's credit monitoring out there or you know just keep an eye on your FICO score because that really can be an indicator of something's happening. Absolutely and I think that's a really good point to just you know that that this podcast is about education and, and educating our listeners and members and um, just the communities that are, you know, people who will listen, how important it is to take advantage of those solutions and to be mindful of all the things that are out there to help you protect your identity. And and here at FCCU, we have one of those called ID Safe Choice. And, and we too partner with, um, with a company and to help protect people's identities. And it's like $3 a month, so super cheap, considering like if you got your ID stolen, all those negative things that could pile up that you just kind of talked about and like all those things that could happen to you and how important it is to protect your identity. So yeah, for $3 a month, um, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll try to help you protect it. We'll help increase your protection with the uh, credit monitoring and expense reimbursement insurance and internet black marketing like you talked about with with that um, we also have one for like family uh, we have an individual one and a family price too and and we just like to remind our members of that resource and you know if you were to become a victim of id theft and id fraud um just you know the solutions and the resources and the you you'd have a recovery advocate that would help you try to monitor where your id is being used and um, follow up with you and support law enforcement like yourself that that you know when people are looking for your identity out there and things like that so um, beyond just our card app where you can turn your card on and off we do have this resource as well and especially after all the crimes and things that you listed, I think it's just really important to touch on that so our listeners know how valuable that could be. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, one other thing that people can do, uh, you are able to get a free credit report one time a year, and I believe it's annualcreditreport.com. Um, take advantage of that, pull it every year. I mean, why not? That's also another good way to keep an eye on your stuff. Absolutely. And and one thing too that I don't think we really touched on much is is also for your kids, just protecting your your kids' identity as well. I think, you know, it's easy to talk about us as adults, but we forget how 
how easy people can steal something or put something in your kid's name and how much that can affect them when they get older too. Absolutely. I actually had a case just like that where it was a parent using child's uh, social security number and information for uh, financial gain. So it, it was kind of a sad situation, but yeah, that is out there and that happens as well. So kind of as we wrap this up, I mean, we heard such interesting stories from you, um, you know, about all the things out there and potential, potential ways that, you know, we can, fraudsters can steal our identity or th common scams that are out there, um, the elder abuse, the romance scams, things like that. But um, if you kind of had to sum it up, what would you say are a few of the best ways to simply stay safe and ensure you don't, you know, become a victim of a scam. Okay. So if you get a cold call from somebody offering you a deal that's too good to be true, hang up. Don't give them the time of day. Um, it probably is too good to be true. Uh, fraudsters look for people that have time to talk with them and try to convince them of things. So I would say that, um, another thing I would say, shred your mail, uh, if you have the ability to do that, um, only drop your mail off in places that are secure, because if you're just throwing it in the mailbox, like we used to do on the farm and put that to pick up, that could easily be taken by fraudsters um, when they're out there scouting for check information and stuff like that. So just dropping your mail off where it's secure. Um, when you're going online, make sure that you are not filling out those things for free you know like if you're looking for loan rates or if you're looking for uh different free stuff online don't fill those things out they're probably just selling your information or it could be like a fraudulent website where they're just trying to collect your information to target you and again just monitoring uh, your credit reports and your FICO scores. I think those are all really awesome tips and I think that this was a super great podcast and I'm so thankful Tanya that you were able to join us today. That wraps up today's podcast about fraud protection. Like I said this podcast was super eye-opening uh, to, you know, all the things that we should be mindful of and, and how to protect our identity. Uh, like I said earlier, FCCU has some really great resources for that. And it's just really interesting hearing that from the actual sheriff's department and those people that work in that fraud department, all the things that we should be watching for. So thank you so much, Detective Johnner, for being on this podcast. Let's see you succeed. We obviously couldn't do this podcast without you and without our listeners either. So thank you to all of you. We hope you tune in next time. As always, I'm your host, Katie Neal, and that wraps up today's podcast.